Romans chapter 8, if you'll go ahead and turn there for me this morning, we're going to be looking into some passages that many of you are familiar with, but hopefully we can uh, encourage you here with those passages here this morning. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, Quint's back with us. Good to see you, Quint. All right. I know many of you have been praying for Quint and his adventures and how God has led him. Uh, the good thing is we get to hear from him in the coming weeks. So uh, we will let you get filled in if you haven't talked to him personally. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll hear about how God moved there uh, in that country he just recently visited. All right. Uh, this morning, we continue the series, Royal Invitation. And today, we're looking at a subject that I believe all of us have been touched by, all of us are possibly even living in, but it's the whole idea of suffering. And today, we're going to be talking about living above suffering. Now, from my own experience, the greatest deterrent, the thing that keeps many people from believing there is a God, is the issue of suffering. And they state it many times this way. If there is a loving and caring God, then why is there so much suffering in the world, in my family, and in my life? What's the deal with all that? If God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God can speak things into existence, then why in the world, if he truly cares, would he allow me or someone I love to suffer the way that we've suffered? Well, first of all, let me just say this before we get started. Uh, I can't answer that question as it relates to you personally. I really can't. I, I, I don't even know what to tell you, except for that I want to pray for you and I, I want to lift you up. And I've seen some of you go through some horrendous times in your life. Some of you may be even there now. But there's one thing I can tell you that God's word does say a lot about suffering. And so generically, as we look into God's word here today, as it relates to suffering, I want you to understand that while I may not be able to speak to the specific issue that you're dealing with that is bringing suffering to you or your family or those that you love, I can tell you this, God wants to speak to your heart directly today. I'm going to just be a faithful servant. I'm just going to be up here this morning to tell you what God's Word says about it. And I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to encourage your heart with this message. And so therefore, I hope you will uh, turn with us. So look there at the introduction. Suffering eventually touches every life. With it can come hurt, confusion, frustration, discouragement, and even despair. The Bible does not give simple answers that solve our suffering. But it does give us comfort and hope in our suffering, even when we don't understand why it is happening. Now, let me say this. I want to encourage you to this morning as it relates to your suffering, just as we've talked about living above sin and living above the law and living above your flesh. I want to tell you something this morning and challenge you with this, the fact that you can live above the suffering that may be in your life at this time. And so God's word begins, I believe, one of the greatest passages as it relates to suffering is found right here in Romans chapter 8. And, and there's really th three things, words I want us to look at in this passage. First of all, there's the word hope. Now, this is not on your outline. We haven't got to the out outline yet. I want to give you an overview. The word hope is mentioned in verses 18 through 28 six different times. In verse 24, look at what it says. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes in what he has already? And then look at verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently. Which leads us to the third word. 
or the second word. Wait is used three different times. So, so look at what we're looking at. We're looking at the idea of hope in the context of suffering. We're looking at the word wait in the context of suffering. And look what it says. It says, verse 18, we wait in eager expectation. Verse 23, we wait eagerly. Verse 25, we wait patiently. You see, when you are suffering or in pain, let me just say this. I think we all agree. The hardest thing to do is wait. Have you ever been in, in severe pain? I've experienced some of the greatest pain in my life and had to go to the emergency room. And I've talked to some of you. I've seen some of you in the emergency room. And and, and there's nothing fun about sitting out in the waiting room and being in excruciating pain. How many of you have ever been there? Whether it's a kidney stone or whatever it is. And the hardest thing to do is to wait. And you go in there. Most of the time in an emergency room, what do you do? You have to wait. And you sit there and you're like, how much longer? They got to give me something here. You know, and, and, and we're just going through all this pain. And, and so that's physical pain. That's physical discomfort. But, but what about those things that really touch your heart also? When you are suffering or in pain, the hardest thing to do is wait. But look at the word. The phrase is wait expectantly. It literally means this, to scan the horizon, straining every nerve, straining, trying to see down the road. Where is this leading? He says to wait patiently in the context of suffering. And then third, there's a third word that's used three different times in this passage, and it's the word groan. In verse 22, it says, the whole creation is groaning. That's a very profound statement there. When God first made the world, let me just tell you about it. It was perfect. It was good. That's what he said about it. It was perfect. It was good. Now we have a groaning world. The world started off right. God looked at everything and it was perfect. Then sin entered the world and since then the world has been decaying and it's come with much suffering. The Bible says, and we're going to see it today, that not only do we suffer, the world itself suffers. The whole creation suffers. So look on your outline. Causes of suffering. How in the world does suffering visit my life? How does it get there? First of all, there's a whole idea of situations. Situations. And the fact is, as I just said, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen body. Many of us can attest to that this morning. The fact that that we live in a fallen world means that you and I are going to experience suffering. If you haven't, you will. How many of you are encouraged so far today? It will visit us. It will be with us probably on every different level. In Genesis chapter 3, God's handing out basically the whole idea of sin came into the world and this is what it's going to look like now. And here's what he told Adam in Genesis 3, 17. He said to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife. Now, that's what God's word said. I didn't say this, okay? (laughs) And it's in this specific term. It's not talking, your wife can help you out a lot, but here it was the wrong thing to do. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you eat of it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For dust you are and dust you will return. Again, are you encouraged so far? I mean, that's the condition we find ourselves in. And Adam, right off the bat, sin enters the world. The whole world went berserk. 
Everything changed about the world that was perfect. And now we live in this fallen world. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world and that started all of the pollution, the chaos and the digression. We live in a fallen world. And because of that, we live in fallen bodies. Because of that, we live in a decaying world, which is one of the reasons we suffer. The result, Jesus said this, in the world, you will have tribulations. Now, let me just say this. He was speaking to his disciples there. And the context of that is really the whole idea of persecution. Persecution is going to come to you because you follow me. But let me just tell you this. That goes for everything that's in this world. Everything in this world, everyone in this world will have tribulations. You will have problems. We all have problems. We all experience suffering. It's inevitable. It's a part of life. And because of sin is a part of the world, it takes its toll on us. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes were not in the world when it was first formed because it was perfect. But the world was knocked off balance when, when these things came in. The principles of decay came about. Just living in the world brings problems and suffering. The whole process of aging and growing old, we know things don't work the way they used to work. Things don't feel the way they used to feel. This is part of living in a fallen and corrupted world. Another reason we suffer is sin. Sin. We're born in sin, and guess what? We sin. We're born in sin. I mean, right there at our birth, I mean, we didn't stand a chance even at our birth as it related to sin and this whole idea of living in a fallen world. We entered into it in, by the means of sin, and all of a sudden, sin is everywhere. So when we blow it, when we don't go God's way, it causes all kinds of problems in our lives. Numbers chapter 14 says this, many times the effects of doing wrong, sinning, is transferred to other generations. The Bible says that the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. This is something that, that we must understand that those things are handed down to us many times. Now, it's not to give us an excuse to say, well, that's just where my family comes from. No, the cross conquers all that. <laughs> But what we need to understand is in the meantime, those things even that happened before affect us today. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, look at how far it goes back. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because why? Because all sinned. We lived up to the fact we were born in sin. Next, another reason we suffer is self Self, And this is the whole principle of sowing and reaping. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what? What he sows. You're going to reap what you sow. You know, you know what that literally, literally means? It means that we are capable of bringing most of the problems into our lives. How many of you have lived long enough to realize that? Yeah. Matter of fact, one of the statements I heard recently, or I've heard really all my life, but I heard it again recently, was this whole idea. We have found the enemy, and he is us. We're, our own, we're the biggest problem we have. And it's the whole idea of self, and, and the whole idea that, that what we reap is what we have sown. By sowing sin, we have the potential, listen, of putting things in motion that brings much suffering to our lives. And I hate to say this, but I guarantee every one of us have a testimony of the fact that that is true. Many times we've suffered 
for those things that were put in motion. Not necessarily by someone else. And it can come through someone else, but it starts with us many times. Another reason we suffer is Satan. Satan, the enemy, he seeks to destroy. I want you to look at this. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look here on the screen. Peter says this. Hey, guys, be self-controlled and alert. You, you need to realize, he's saying this. He's saying, listen, you need to be tempered. You need, you need, you need to be, really be careful going through this fallen world. Because you not only are battling your flesh, you're not only battling the things of this world, you're battling the enemy who's coming for you. And boy, if you, if you name Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're on Jesus' side, let me just tell you, he, he's really going to amp it up on you. And here's what he says. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Now, again, this was really written in the whole context of persecution. In the first century, the church is being persecuted. Not long after Peter writes this, he will literally die because of the faith. Persecution. And so we could say, yeah, these words are all written for those who are, who are persecuted. But let me just say this. The enemy will come at us with anything that he has and everything that he has. And it's not necessarily persecution. We, many of us in this room have never been touched by persecution to the extent it was going to cost us our lives. But there are people who are out there who are in that. But I will tell you this. The enemy causes suffering, disease, and death. There are all these are all part of his arsenals to call much suffering. He causes distress and depression. He, his biggest tool that I believe for suffering is, is, is uh, deception. Deception. Causing us to believe in something that we're really not. We're a child of God. Causing us to believe that God doesn't care. And that's the reason you've got all these people in this world who are saying, the reason I don't believe there's a God is because a God wouldn't allow all this evil. A God wouldn't allow all this suffering. And boy, he's the behind the deception. He's there. He, he, he wants there to be destruction. Lastly, suffering can come from salvation. This kind of gets back to what Peter was talking about. We're talking about being persecuted and misunderstood. Isn't it interesting that the, the person who came and offered our salvation was a, one of the most misunderstood people in the whole world? Isn't that interesting? How love... He extended his love that was so unconditional. He came, he died on a cross. He offers this love and forgiveness and the world so misunderstands him. Listen, let me just say this. If the world didn't receive him and you identify with him, they're not gonna identify with you. They're, 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 here's what you need to understand. You will be misunderstood. When you go out there and you say, thus says the Lord, or the Bible says this, and that says that, guess what? You'll be misunderstood. You, you'll be outcast. You start talking too much like that. And, and so we see that our salvation, I want you to hold your place here and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Real quickly. It's over there near the back, okay? 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse 12, Peter, again, he's talking about this whole idea of persecution, but he's also talking about those things in which we're misunderstood. He says in verse 12 of 1 Peter chapter 4, Beloved, now he's talking to Christians, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You know what he's literally saying? 
because you identify with Christ, don't think it's strange that you're going to suffer. It's, sometimes it's part of it. It's part of it. But rejoice, verse 13, to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer, listen, as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in, others uh, people, in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. But what Peter's saying here, he's like this. Don't go out there and be, be misunderstood and persecuted because you're a jerk. Don't go out there and be persecuted and misunderstood because you don't represent Christ correctly. You go out there and you identify with Christ and you live for Christ. And let me just tell you this. You will still be misunderstood. You will still be persecuted. Turn back to Romans chapter 8. So what do we do with all this? If suffering comes from all these different angles, how do you win? Well, <laughs> I can tell you to have a better perspective of it. Look here, coping with suffering. How do we cope with suffering? Well, look on your outline. It begins with seeing the big picture. It begins with seeing the big, big picture. The problem with many of us is we hardly ever look at the big picture in our lives. We were too busy looking at those things that are affecting us up close and, and those things. And so he says, how do we know to look at the big picture? Where, look at Romans 8, look at verse 18. Paul says this, for I consider, starts there, to consider that the sufferings of this present time. Now we're going to finish the verse in just a moment. But if you like to write in your Bible and do things, you need to circle the word consider. That's the key to coping with suffering. You, you got to consider it. Uh, that one little word is the key to understanding how to make it when you're going through suffering. The word consider in the Greek literally means to calculate, to calculate it. It's the word from which we get really the word computer. Paul is basically saying, I calculate, I consider, I compute, I analyze, I check out, I seriously look at and compare what suffering is all about. And so when it touches your life, you need to reflect upon it. I think one thing that I do is I try to look at my own life and I try to say, where's the suffering coming from? And many times I don't have an answer. Many times I don't understand why it's in there, but sometimes I do. And so when I look at my, my list there, I can say, well, maybe the enemy's just not liking what I'm doing this day. Maybe I got his attention in such a way that he's just coming after me. You ever had any spiritual warfare in your life? That's what that looks like. Some of you could be saying, well, you know something? I, <laughs> you know, I hadn't really been living for the Lord lately. And I went out there and I started living for self. And I've got to be honest with you. I think the reason I'm suffering the way I am is because I'm just reaping what I set in motion. I've sown to those things that are not of God. I've sown to those things that he calls sin and evil. And, and I, need to, I need to repent. I need to confess. I need to get back to where I need to be in him. Or maybe some of you are sitting here today and you don't understand what's going on at work. It seems like everybody around you, you feel like an outcast almost. And, and, and maybe you, all you want to do is just represent Christ and his love. 
And all you want to do is do the right thing. How in the world do you wind up being the bad guy all the time? That's part of it too. See, the list goes on and on. The key to suffering is all in the way you look at it. You got to have the right perspective. Think about it. If you take two people, put them in the exact same situation, one of them, it makes them a better person. One of them, just something great just happens in their life. The other one, it just breaks them. Their ability to overcome is determined by their perspective. Our suffering comes from the way we view suffering. Now, the fact is, when you and I are suffering, here's what normally happens. We become very short-sighted. How many of you agree? Let's go back to the emergency room. I'll give you my experience. I went there and I had a uh, pancreatitis. I had a procedure done that uh, some dye got into the, the part of the pancreas or whatever, and it, I had pancreatitis, and it was the worst thing I've ever. I felt like I was being stabbed with knives. Just gonna be honest with you. So let's look at it from a physical uh, suffering. I was sitting in the waiting room, and, and I really wanted attention then when I got there. Okay, I was doubled over. I couldn't even sit down. I was in so much pain. I couldn't even lay in the bed once I got in the back. I had to stand up to just kind of deal with it and just kind of walk around. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sitting there thinking, Jesus, I know this is for my good. <laughs> Jesus, I tell you, uh, I, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this one. Jesus, please um, be good. Just take this away right now. No, the only thing I know, the only thing I knew at that moment is I need something to get rid of this. I became very short-sighted. Tina even tried to comfort me. You know what? I, I mean, I understand what women in, in labor is all about now. <laughs> get away from me! <laughs> I didn't want any part of any comforting. I didn't want, I didn't want any. The only thing I saw was I hurt. Now, y'all, any suffering that comes in our life, we can, the same, we can have the same kind of reaction. A relationship that goes wrong, all of a sudden our whole world's rocked. We can't think of nothing except for the relationship that's gone wrong. We can't think of it. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. We become very short-sighted. The only thing we know is I'm hurting. I'm not in the mood for long-range planning. When you are suffering, listen, what do you tend to look at? Your pain, that's all you see. That's all you feel. That's all you see in yourself. The biggest temptation when we are going through suffering, listen, is to focus on ourselves and, and the suffering itself. And that's why we don't see anything else. What is it that can help us when we are suffering? Hope. Hope. Now, I did have some experience years earlier with uh, some um, pills that help with the pain. Anybody familiar with those? I'll be honest with you. That's the only thing I... I, I I didn't know anything else. I was hoping they wouldn't have to cut, cut me open to get to the whatever was going on. But I didn't know this. And so my only hope at that point, I'll be honest with you, right or wrong, was I need some of that strong stuff. Put that in me. <laughs> but that's all I saw. That's all I wanted. That's the only thing I thought was going to make it better. Hate to say it, but the whole idea of praying for healing right then was not even on my mind. I was counting on Tina to get the word out to get some of you to start praying for it. <laughs> because I was just so consumed. 
It's all I saw. Paul says it's, it's hope. Hope comes from having the right perspective. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've looked at this verse many times. Here's what it says. Therefore, do not lose heart. Don't become hopeless. Though outwardly we are wasting away. How many of you are encouraged with that one? Wasting away. Inwardly we are being renewed day by day. He's saying, yeah, the whole, the whole idea of who we are in this body is being corrupted. It's, it's dwindling down. We, we sense that the clock is winding down. And boy, that's not too encouraging. But he says this, you know something? In the process of all that suffering, the inner man, the inner person can be renewed day by day. We can be actually, here's what he's saying. We can become stronger and stronger and stronger as we're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And the only way that happens is what we find through what the Spirit of God is doing in and through our lives. But we don't make those type of investments, do we? I, I like to go to the gym. I like to go to the wine. I'm not addicted like some of you people are, but anyway, some of you are like, you ain't talking about me. <laughs> Probably not, but, but, I, but I do. I like to go. I like to work out. I like the feeling after I get a good run in and that kind of thing. And, and sometimes I'm in there and, and, and uh, uh, sometimes I'll evaluate myself and I think, am I putting as much uh, time into growing inwardly than I am outwardly? And then when I'm done with me, I start judging everybody else in the room. <laughs> I wonder if they really realize that it doesn't matter what they do with that body today. It's still wasting away. How many of you are encouraged now? It doesn't matter. You may add a couple years. You may feel better for a couple more years than most people, but it's still wasting away. So really, the only thing that matters is what's going on in here. What kind of investments are I making, am I making in here that will help me go and, and, and understand eternity and a proper perspective and understanding who I am in Christ and how do I operate when suffering is there? See, we, we can live above all that. Look what he says next. He says, okay, if we are wasting away, that's a fact. It's happening. We're living in a fallen world. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Then what will our perspective be? Look at this. For our light and momentary troubles. Have you ever looked at your suffering and said, there ain't nothing to this? Uh-uh. It's, it's tough. It, it consumes us, doesn't it? But you know something? If we are working on the inward man and we're being renewed day by day, guess what? That is a benefit. That means we are exercising ourselves inwardly in such a way that we're growing in the spirit. We're growing in our gifts. We're growing in this, uh, the fruit and all those many things. And our perspectives are changing and everything about us. And all of a sudden, we can look at that thing that would have consumed us a, a decade ago or would have consumed us. And all of a sudden, we find out we can look at it and say, you know something? These light and momentary trials and suffering. What does he mean by momentary? He, he's saying it's, it's not going to last forever. Are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That far outweighs all the problems, all the trials, all the suffering. So we fix our eyes. What do we tend to fix our eyes on when we suffer? On the suffering. What's the cause of the suffering? And we, we become consumed. What does, what does he say? 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. The other part that we're developing. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our hope rests outside of this body. Our hope rests outside of this world. Our hope rests in what he has for us, the hope of glory. How can we become positive, not discouraged in spite of our suffering? Listen, the key to coping with suffering is to get the right perspective to find out what God is saying about our situation about our suffering. What is God saying? Is he, is he trying to get our attention to, to put us back in line? Is he, is he trying to get our attention to, to show us that there's something greater in, in us than he that's in this world and what we think we're putting all the focus on? He says, no, this is where we need to be focusing. What's he up to? Next, coping with suffering begins with seeing the big picture, realizing that suffering is temporary, like we just said. Romans 8, look at verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, what does that imply? It's not permanent. The suffering of this present time are not worthy, the suffering, excuse me, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is going to be left behind. The reality we're living in right now, one day, will be left behind. How many of you are glad for that? Yeah. You know, it's funny when we were teenagers. We didn't even think about that stuff, did we? We thought we could conquer the world. We thought we were invincible. We could run. We could. It's amazing what time does to us all. First Peter 1 6 says, there are reasons for or reason, or seasons of suffering. There are seasons in the Christian's life. How, how many of you understand that? Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. Uh, do you realize that? There's a, sometimes we go through spring, and everything just seems to be new, and everything's popping bright. And I mean, it's a joy to see all the new life that God is creating, and, and, and we can get so caught up in that. And then sometimes our lives are, uh, feel like they're in the season of winter. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it seems like everything is just dead inside of us and around us. An old proverb says this, all, sun, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. That's true. The fact is you enjoy the mountaintops because there are valleys. And you can enjoy the valleys because there's mountaintops. Life's just that way. It takes all kinds of situations to make life. We have a hope that we know no matter what we're going through is temporary. That's where you said our light in temporary trials. Next, why does God's, what does God say about suffering? Here's a good one. Jesus is returning. <clears throat> Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creator eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, you know what that implies? We're not only waiting for him, we're waiting to come back with him. And then it says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. When it says that the creation was subjected to futility, it's the whole idea to frustration, not willingly. That's not the creation. It wasn't their will. 
It was Adam and Eve. It was the whole idea that mankind put this in this place. But because of him who subjected it in hope. You see, what Adam and Eve were up to is they were looking for hope outside of God's plan. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for something new outside of God's plan. And when they did that, they plunged mankind into the situation in which we live now. That's what this verse is saying. And this is in verse 21. Because of creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Who else is suffering? What else is suffering? The whole creation suffers because of what took place. Everything that we see is suffering. We live in a fallen world. Why should we expect anything else? I want you to think about life. Life <laughs> begins with suffering and normally ends with suffering. They're the two bookends. I mean, you think about it. Mom, the birth pains, suffering to come into this world. That little baby's normally suffering. Come out, they come out screaming. <laughs> Something's going wrong. And then guess what? At the end of this life, more suffering. We came in with suffering. We're going to probably leave with suffering. Are you encouraged yet? I don't mean to make light of this, but I'm here to tell you that the whole idea, and I've seen this, being around families who are losing loved ones, and I've seen many of our members pass on, leave this world, and go to the next, and I've been right there when it took place. You can't describe it any differently than when we come into this world, we're being birthed into, suff we're being birthed into suffering, but we're coming through suffering. When we leave this world, guess what? To go into the next world, we return to that type of suffering. We're literally being born into the next world. And so the labor pains are on this end and that end. And we see all that and we wonder, but here's what we need to understand. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to set it all straight. And it will uh, it'll be our realization when we leave this world. The Bible says in uh, John 14, Jesus has his disciples around him. He's getting ready to tell them this, uh, the, the, the craziest news that, guess what? I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. And this is going to be on your shoulders what to do with the kingdom of God. And then he says this, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. There's some good places he's creating for you. There's a, there's a whole new reality out there. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And guess what? That is a place that's not fallen, that's not corrupted, that doesn't have a body that is breaking down. Colossians 1.5 says that our hope is in heaven. That's how you get a big picture with suffering. You look beyond this world. What does God have to say about suffering? Here it is. Holy Spirit is praying for you during this time of suffering. I mean, you're glad for that. Holy Spirit resides in you is actually praying for you. Look at verse 23. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. You, you know what that literally means, the first fruits of the Spirit? It means this. We have the best of what God offers. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
We have the best of what God offers through the Spirit. Even when ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Listen, when you got saved, when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your soul and spirit were redeemed. Your eternity is in heaven. Your body hadn't been there yet. It hasn't been redeemed. How many of you know it sure don't feel like it has? That's for sure. But yeah, we haven't been reading that part's coming later. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? He's saying everything that we're looking for is outside of this world. It's outside of time. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I want you to think about what he's saying there. Suffering can disorient us. It can disorient us. And all of a sudden we're sitting there and we, we don't know what to do with it. It's beyond us. Listen, if you've been in pain like I've dealt with physically, and many of you have, you know what I'm talking about. You don't know what to think. I mean, there's times you can't even operate. You're just so weak. But guess who's rising up on your behalf? The Spirit of God. Is doing a work, even in our weaknesses, when we don't even know what to pray. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It means those things that he is praying, we can't even put in the words. We can't describe our suffering. We don't even understand where it's coming from many times. And we're just crying out, but the Spirit, he knows what's going on. And he's crying out on our behalf. Verse 27, now he who searches the heart knows, hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for all saints according to the will of God. That is one of his roles. <laughs> That's what he's here for. When life makes no sense, when our spirit is so confused and we just can't see the big picture, we, 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 can't even, we don't have anything to hold on to. The Holy Spirit's there. God understands the aches of our hearts even when we can't verbalize them. God understands the pain in our hearts. He looks past our words and into our hearts. Next, what does God say about suffering? God is working. He's working. Look at Romans 8, 28. We know this verse, don't we? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know what that word work together means? It's, a, it's the word synergy. It's, it's become one of my favorite words. You know what synergy means? Listen to this. It means the creation of a whole. It, synergy is the creation of a whole that is greater than the parts. It means that God is up to what the big picture is, what the whole process is going to be, the end game, what, what it's all mounting to. And these parts here are not nearly as important to God as what he's creating in you. You understand? And so sometimes we, under, we can't understand why God's allowing us to have pain. You remember Paul prayed out? He said, God, remove this from me three times, a thorn in his flesh. There's a, there's a whole group of people out there. You hear through the airwaves on television and everything. It's, God, it's not God's will that you suffer. It's not God's will that you have that and you, you suffering with that. No, sometimes it is God's will. He's using those things to bring a greater awareness of trusting him, a greater awareness of who we are in him, to get our attention many times. In Paul's case, Paul said, you know something? I can see it now. I can see that when I'm weak, when I'm in the midst of this type 
type of suffering, when I'm going through all this, God has the potential to do great things through my life. So therefore, I'm going to accept what God's doing in my life. There's a group out there that says, no, God doesn't want you. No, uh-uh, you got it totally wrong. And if you don't get it out of your life, it's because you don't have enough faith. And, and if you are, <laughs> explain what Paul went through to me, please. God said, my grace is sufficient. I'm doing the greater work in your life. And it may require a little suffering in this life, but it's eventually going to get to where I desire it to be, the bigger part. Let's keep moving. I've got to hurry. Let, let me tell you what this verse means. It means he puts things together like a jigsaw puzzle and brings out a, a great purpose out of it. The bottom line of this passage is that God has a purpose behind our suffering. When you have a problem, realize it's the way you are looking at the problem. That is the problem if we don't look at it any other way. So here it is. Comfort in suffering. Serving, I, uh, suffering. I want to give you this quickly. God has the awareness. When you're going through a situation in your life that's bringing suffering, it's not a surprise to God. It isn't God sitting there saying, oh, that slipped by me. Bless your heart. I hope that didn't mess you up too bad. No, God knows. He knows everything. God is compassion. Large part of the world doesn't realize that. Sometimes in our suffering, we have a hard time seeing that, don't we? God has the power. The natural question is this for many people. Why doesn't he use it to ease my suffering? Again, God has a purpose for suffering sometimes. Look at the story of Paul. Lastly, God has a plan. I'm going to give you this, right? Revelation 21, 1 through 5, if that's not on your outline. You need to read it for yourself. All this is going to, you realize all this is going to end one day? New heaven, new earth. No more corruption. It's all going again. He has a purpose. He's moving to that purpose. So here's the application. The key to dealing with suffering is having the correct perspective, a big picture perspective. Let me tell you how James stated it. Consider it pure joy <laughs> when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when there's suffering in your life. Is he sick or what? You know what it literally means? Get excited about the potential of what God can do through the suffering you're experiencing. He, it's possible. It's possible. How many times have you ever heard someone say, listen, I went through the toughest thing in my life about five years ago. I didn't think I could ever get through it. I mean, to tell you, it shook my faith. It, took the, it shook the existence of who I am, who I am in Christ. I, I, I'm not even sure I believed in God at the time. It just shook me so badly. But let me tell you this, five years later, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I love Jesus more than I've ever loved him. You know what the kind of person that is? A person that finally saw the big picture. Is it hard to see it in the suffering? Yes. Is there times you just, God, are you even hearing me? Are you even out there? Yes, we've all been there. But he's got a plan. And part of the plan, part of the way we got to consider the big picture. It's the whole idea of living for eternity in a world that's corrupt. Living for eternity in a world that's corrupt in the temporal. Let's pray. Ushers, would you come forward? Father, we just come to you right now and we just thank you for your goodness and we thank you for what you're up to in our lives. And sometimes we don't understand it. It's just more than we can handle. And Father, I just pray right now for each of us in this room. I, I happen to believe there's many in this room that probably even walk in, have walked in with this question or maybe thought of, even this past week is, where's God when it hurts? 
Where's God when they're suffering? God, do you even care? Father, I pray that somehow today as we've looked at this issue of suffering that we, we do realize that you have a plan. You have a purpose. We can't see it all the time, but it's there. and We can trust you with it. You are our hope. Our hope is not found in whether a situation goes right or wrong or if we're going to get delivered from our suffering. Our hope rests in the person of Jesus Christ and his plan and his way and what he's up to. And sometimes it's hard to believe that and say that. But Father, I just pray you bring comfort to each of us here today through that. Father, thank you for this offering and pray that you'll use it as only you can to reach those that need this word. In Jesus' name, amen.